Gotta watch this triangle now. Looks like an inverted triangle here. In the back. Pulling on the arm. Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined by a returning guest, fresh off his win at Rising 18. We have La Mangosta, Victor Henry, who won his Rising debut at Rising 18 by inverted triangle choke. He defeated Trent Gurdham in the third round. And uh, Victor, appreciate you talking to us, and uh, once again, congratulations on your win. Thanks again, man. It's good to be back. So I just got to ask. Uh, your first time in Ryzen, uh, you got a third round uh, tr- uh, inverted triangle choke uh, submission win. How does it feel overall that you made uh, quite a uh, quite a debut? Um, well, it feels pretty good, man. I mean, um, certainly the uh, the finish makes everything sweeter. You know, going to a decision on a on your debut fight wouldn't be that great, but I'm glad I got the finish. Yeah, so I just gotta get get your thoughts on uh, uh, now that you've uh, that you've fought him for almost th- full three rounds. What do you think of your uh, opponent, uh, Trent Gurdham? Uh, uh, well, I feel like I was right that he was gonna come in prepared, and he's gonna be tough and and all that. But I, at the end of the day, I think uh, fight experience paid off. Hmm. One of the things I got I got to uh, actually say that I was really surprised about how good. His grappling defense was. Uh, you tried to take him down uh, in the first round, actually, a few times, and he was able to defend it pretty well. And actually, look at the fight right now on, on Fight.tv, which uh, everybody uh-huh. can watch a fight on. Yeah, he was able to defend a lot of a, a lot of uh, your your uh, attempting your attempts to take down uh, t- attempts to take him down, and also got he got t- he took you down a few times as well. Were you surprised that he was just that prepared? No, I mean it's a fight. You're always gonna expect that somebody's gonna be really prepared for a certain aspect of your game. The um, the first time I had a body lock on him, I got my arm got caught in one of the vertical ropes, not the horizontal ropes, but one of the vertical ropes. So I noticed that I was trying to pull him and take him down. I was like, why isn't he going anywhere? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I can feel that rope. Okay, so I try to pummel in, but then as I was pummeling in, he managed to get his hit back just a little bit. And then, uh, of course, a couple other times, it was just a little bit off. So, you know, but again, you know, not really surprised because I, you got to expect that somebody's going to be really 
overly prepared for a certain aspect of your game. Mm-hmm. I'm now I'm, I'm watching the fight right now, and he was able to take your back in the first round. And uh, were you at all worried uh, when he took your back at all, or did you think, uh, or did you were you calm, collected? You knew what you were doing when you were in that uh, position. No, I've been in that position uh, in that position a lot of times. Um, it's pretty tough to finish me off my back. Not impossible, but pretty tough just because I I drill that position so much, you know, all the time. When when we grapple, when we do anything in training, I always try to put myself in the worst possible position and then work from there. That way, it's not a shock when I'm there, or I don't I don't necessarily need to panic. You know, it is a it is certainly a time where you need to really be on your shit. You know, like you got to be uh, ready, but not necessarily. It's not necessarily the end of the world. You know, mm-hmm. or the end of the fight. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I thought was very interesting about this fight was that it was almost, in a weird way, a pro wrestling match, where it seems like he would get some stuff in in the first, like, two or three minutes, but then you would turn around and start, you would start getting getting in, in on him. So, it, it was it was actually funny, because it kind of resembled a pro wrestling match, in a way, where, where the two where the two uh, two people competing, getting their uh, stuff in. Um, so, you just, just talk about that, that, like, you know, he seemed to be, he seemed to do well at first, but then you just would uh, make a comeback. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, like I said, I think it just has that goes down that gets chalked up to a fight experience. You know, you go in there and you fight, and it's not over till it's over. So mm-hmm. just because you have your moments doesn't mean that's the end of the fight. You know, you just keep going in there and you you, you keep going through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I also got to ask about is, uh, unfortunately, there were uh, low blows in this match. Uh, you got uh, one happened to him, and uh, I think two happened to you, or. or... Well, yeah. You bo- did you both get two on each other, or was it? Uh... Uh, well, I, 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 I haven't seen. I, haven't, I don't remember because I, uh, I haven't really seen the fight. But um, from what I, I do remember getting hit in the nuts twice. Yeah. Uh, I think I got him once, and arguably the second one I got him in wasn't really a low blow, because even like the commentators were even saying, ah, I don't know, it kind of got him in the bladder area, mm-hmm. but. Who am I to, you know, who am I to, I, I always say this to people that I'll never deny how people feel because that's the way they feel, but I will deny their, um, their ability to feel that way, you know, so if he felt that I got him in the nuts, okay, I got him in the nuts, mm-hmm. but if the video evidence shows that I didn't get him in the nuts, then I, then I could possibly make the argument that, hey, you just got hit, but you're going to play it off that way. Not to say that I know, you know, I don't know Trent personally, so I don't know if he would lie about things like that, but it's part of the fight game. So sometimes you're going to grab the ropes. Sometimes you're going to grab the cage. Sometimes you're going to, you're going to fake a, an injury to get your breath or something, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I also got to ask, uh, so Josh Barnett, uh, the war master was in your corner and I'm just, uh, it seems like he was calm. I, I, I feel like I've gotten to understand, like, when he's yelling at you and, and, and just, like, just, just, like, laying in on, on his, uh, on the person that he's cornering, that seems, that tells me that, that, that his, that his fighter at that time is not doing good. But he seemed mostly calm, cool, collective, uh, it seemed like when he was in, uh, during the fight. So, did, did you think that, uh, that this fight was going your way, uh, up until third round when you got the finish? Uh, well, I mean, I think so. You know, um, in that first round, I rocked Trent a few times, mm-hmm. and he didn't go down, which is which, you know good for him because that, he's pretty tough. Um, hey, what's up, dude? Oh, Christian. 
Nothing much, Victor. How are you? I'm doing all right, I'm sorry man. for y'all basically trying to, you know, get me on this call so many times. I see the interview has started. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we're just uh, we're just talking about uh, Josh Barnett uh, being in his corner. And, uh, sorry, go on. What, uh, what were you saying, uh, Victor? So, yeah, um, you know, it's it's always a mix. You know, Josh is more, uh, he gets more boisterous as the, um, as the finish is coming. So if he senses a finish coming, then he gets more boisterous. Usually Josh doesn't yell too much whether his fighter's doing good or bad. So, in this case, if he's really calm, he probably didn't, he didn't start getting more boisterous until I had the Funaki triangle on him, you know, so. Well, because I always remember the Alyssa Garcia match uh, near the end of the third round. Um, uh, it seemed like he was just, like, trying to just, like, motivate her. Uh, this was against uh, Ayaka Hamazaki, uh, where he was just yelling yeah. at her, trying to just, you know, get try to get some, some heel hook. And or something along those lines, so that she could get that finish, like before the fight would be ended. So it seems like it seems like at least I, I interpret it as, as if the fighter seems to be losing, he'll kind of just like he'll he'll kind of be he'll 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 give him like a war or like a, a ve- he'll be very more energized and much more loud. That's that's how I th- thought it was. Uh, well, yeah, you gotta realize also that um, yeah, Alyssa and I. Are very different fighters, mm-hmm. you know. And as a coach, you have to you have to be able to motivate your fighters in different ways, mm-hmm. you know. And Alyssa is that type where you need to probably amp her up, you know. I mean, Josh knows her best as a coach. I know her best as a teammate, you know. So in his eyes, he doesn't probably he doesn't have to yell at me because he knows I'm going for it anyways, mm-hmm. or he knows that I have my vision. Uh, my my uh my scope of vision as far as going for the finishes is greater than Melissa's, you know, or you know, so he might not need to yell at me as much. Uh, speaking, he needs to yell at her because he needs to rally her more than he needs he would need to rally me. Speaking of uh, motivation, uh, we did see uh, now I, when it comes down to the entire UWF USA camp, and I'm sorry for interrupting Andrew, it's kind of my thing. <laughs> But when it comes to the UWF USA camp as a whole, would you basically say that there's like an eclectic mix of styles that all have to, you know, follow Josh Barnett's lead? Well, absolutely. We all have our own. Uh, we all have our own uh, styles. I mean, we have, uh, of course, me, uh, and then we have Alyssa Garcia, who's a uh, who's prominent i mean mostly a wrestler but she's got a striker's body so all the striking comes naturally we have aj bryant who's uh fairly new to mixed martial arts he didn't start till he was about 27 or 26 mm-hmm. and he's got he's a he's an excellent southball player with knockout power but he draws his uh his inspiration from from uh shohei yamamoto which is another one of our uh which is another one of our uh, teammates he fights at okay, lightweight yeah, Shohei Yamamoto, Keiji Tora. But um, he, uh, you know, of course, he's a Kyokushin, he's a high-ranking Kyokushin uh, black belt. So AJ draws his inspiration from me, draws his inspiration from Shohei as far as his kicking style and his the way he strikes and his timing and everything. And, of course, AJ's own style that he, he puts forth. And, we, of course, we have our amateurs, you know, that some of them are wrestlers, some of them are, you know, some of them are not. Um, and then we have we cross train with CMMA and those guys, and they all have their own um, their own style. So we have a very wide variety of uh, styles 
wrestling styles, striking styles, and we all just kind of pick off each other. Uh, well, of course, right. Josh being the coach. Yeah, of course, Josh being the coach, we get certain aspects of him also. So I, I'm, I got to ask about the inverted triangle choke because we were discussing, Christian and I discussed this uh, when we reviewed the entire show, is that the only time I can remember this mm-hmm. ever happening in a, in a major MMA event was when to, uh, Toby Imada did it to uh, Jorge Masvidal at Bel- in Bellator. That's the only time I can remember it ever happening. Um, it's probably happened before, but it's, it's, I can't recall it ever besides this time. So just talk us about the inverted triangle choke. Uh, is that a move you drill often when you train? Um, or- it is funny. I've actually, <laughs> I've actually gotten that question a few times already. And short answer, no, not really. Uh, but I am, um, we, okay, we, so we do a drill called, uh, you know, submission for sub- submissions or submission sombrata, where I get you in a submission, I work my escape, I mean, you work your escape, and then you get me in a submission. It's more of like a, a cool down or a warm up, you know, so we'll do it just to either warm up and get into other things or we'll do it after, at the end of practice where it's like, okay, go submission sombrata with your partner and just do that for about five minutes and then we'll call it a day, you know. So, um, I was actually going for another double wrist lock and, you know, in just the transitions that it happened, you know, I saw it and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go for it. And I don't know if you remember, but mine, I, we were, we were both facing the same direction and I was on top of him. Yeah. You know, with, uh, Masvidal's, Masvidal had stood up. Yeah. They were actually, they were facing the same direction, but Masvidal had stood up and the other guy's head was down. Both of our heads were up, mm-hmm. so slightly different, but same same submission. Mm-hmm. You because know? it, it, def- it definitely feels like a high risk, obviously high reward move, but and so rarely ever done in MMA that I, you know mm-hmm. it just totally caught us off guard. You know, you kind of you know when you get somebody's back, you figure you're gonna go for a tr- uh, you know rear naked choke, something along those lines, but no, you just, you seem it just seemed to easily just flow 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 into that uh, inverted triangle choke. Yeah, you know. Um, a, a, a big uh, a big thing that Josh has taught me uh, as far as my grappling is um, submissions in in moves or they're, they're they're not just submissions and moves they're concepts um, for instance a triangle choke just because you get your legs wrapped around somebody's neck and arm doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna choke them because mm-hmm. it's just a triangle the triangle is just a triangle it's just the shape of your legs. The concept is that you're squeezing one shoulder into their artery and you're applying pressure to their other artery. So theoretically, I can get a triangle choke with just putting my hands on your neck and shoulder by squeezing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the arm, yeah, the arm bar is is I'm holding one uh, one end of the lever and I'm applying force to one to the middle of the lever, which is the elbow, and I'm holding another lever down, which is at the very end. Um, so in any way you can make that happen. To make it happen. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to put my foot here, I have to put my hips here, and I have to put my arms here. You know, mm-hmm. the submission is not the the move. The submission is the concept that goes behind the move. Mm-hmm. The body mechanics is just what makes it what makes it more effective. Because the way I've been so, taught. Uh, uh, Sorry, I'm just gonna say because you know the uh, the traditional triangle. You know, you wrap your heads around the person's leg. You have the one their arms is out there, and then you pull their head down. You know, to get to to uh, squeeze off, cut off that circulation. But with an inverted triangle choke, do you basically is it uh, what what is the what is the pressure? Are you pushing your hips down, or you uh, what what is the exact like 
what what is the exact I guess uh, small uh, slighter movements that that make it different than the uh, uh, than the regular like what are you what are you doing uh, differently to your body or to the other person's body essentially? Okay, yes. Yeah, so when I got that Funaki triangle, I um if you look closely, I'm actually re- I'm behind the elbow mm-hmm. that's the of the arm that's caught inside. Yeah. So I, I get behind that elbow so that way I could pull the elbow across because I can't pull his head down because. I'm behind him. Yeah. So what I need to do is I need to pull that elbow across. That way I get his shoulder squeezing into his own neck. You know, just yanking that across, yanking that across. And then my thigh, the one that's across his neck, is squeezing into his neck. Mm-hmm. So his posture is already broken because I'm behind him. And I'm pulling that elbow to bring, it, bring his arm across as much as I can. And then with my other leg, obviously, I'm squeezing into his neck. Mm-hmm. And just constricting. And a lot of times... What people make the mistake of is they'll they'll go 100% squeeze right off the top, and that gases their arms out. And people often will just be stubborn and just hang on and hang on, and then all of a sudden they they lose the choke and their arms or legs are blown out. Mm-hmm. When you squeeze on a neck, you're supposed to start from 20, 30, 40, 50, and increase the squeeze as you get up there for two reasons. One, it saves your arm, your arms or your legs, and two, it makes them think that it's just going to continue to get tighter. Mm-hmm. And especially in a high high panic situation like that where you're caught in a submission, you got to be able to uh, you got to be able to have your wits about you. And if you're slowly squeezing tighter and tighter, the most time most of the time people lose their wits. Yeah, I got it I I'm looking at it right now and yeah, you 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 basically you have a triangle on him where basically where you're both where you're both on your backs and and, it's, and it almost looks like he's about to roll into a regular triangle, but you almost as he's rolling, you're going the uh, you're basically following him towards his back uh, in a way. Is yeah. it? Is, is, is it? Was that? Was that? The, in a way, in a way, what Andrew's trying to say is you were trying to apply pressure to Mr. Gerton before he tried to apply pressure to you. Yeah, I mean. I got I got to beat him to it if I want to beat him. Know, are you using? It looks like you also use his his left arm as leverage to get on his back as well. Uh, oh yeah, like I said, I get I get behind it so I can pull it across him. Yeah. Not okay. only is it pulling, not only is it breaking his base down from the other side because he has no base over there, mm-hmm. but it's actually serving as an anchor for me to pull myself on top. Mm-hmm. Now, if you weren't able to get that uh, that that base, would he basically have rolled into a? Would it, he? It looks like he could have also rolled just into the traditional triangle as well, and it could have been ended yeah. from there. Yeah, because at that point I'm just uh, at that point it's just a uh, I've already isolated one arm and his head. Mm. So at that point, it's it's roll and get and and me staying on my back, but or I can just try to use that as anchor to come up on top. Gotcha. At least if I'm if I'm up on top, at worst comes to worst, I can create a scramble where I'm not in a negative position. I see, I see, I got you, I got you. Oh, that's, that makes that's cool. why I say you know like it's just it's just being able to be in fights and be able to think in the middle of a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got to ask. So after you got you got a great win. Uh, you got a great trophy, um, zebra pants. Where do those come from? All right, so when I was still fighting amateur, um, and Josh actually was not my coach. I was still training with somebody else, Jimmy Romero, who's actually teaching now over at Syndicate MMA in, uh, in Vegas. Um, he's, Josh told Jimmy that, hey, if you're going to have fighters, like your fighters have to have their own thing about them. Don't just, don't just let them be run-of-the-mill. You know, they they got to have something about them. So 
I was going to have a fight, and it was shortly after Halloween. And the Halloween before, I was David Lee Roth. So I put on zebra pants. I had a long, blonde wig, and I, you know, I was basically dressed like an 80s rock star, you know, mm-hmm. hairband guy. <laughs> so I had these pants, and I was like, I mean, All right. do you think that? Do you think that fit with the Bolt Thrower theme song that you came out to? I don't know if it was Bolt Thrower because I didn't. No, that was uh, that was uh, that was Goat Horn. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was oh, okay. Very teethful revolt. Yeah. Did uh, Josh Barnett uh, choose that music for you? That sounds like a Josh no, Barnett. I chose it. Oh, okay. That sounds like a band that I Josh Barnett it. would listen to. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, back to the zebra pants. I was um. So yeah, after I had a fight, I had those pants, and I was like, screw it. I'm just gonna. If I get to finish, I'm just gonna throw these pants on. And they caught on. People loved it. And actually, it's a good way of um. It's a good way of, uh, after the fight, once I go into the, because oftentimes, I'm, I'm still a fight fan, so after the fight, I'll go into the crowd and I'll watch the fights, because sometimes they don't have a TV in the back. And even if they have a TV in the back, it's not the same as watching a fight in front of your face mm-hmm. with with uh, with fans or friends, you know, so, you know, you'll be able to, you know, hit them in the chest, oh, did you see that, or whatever, so it's a good way of, um, Solidifying, solidifying myself. As if I go out to the crowd and people see my zebra pants, nobody else has them. So like, oh hey, that was a good fight, blah blah. blah. Even if they don't recognize me because of my hair or whatever, you know. So I see that they see me in those zebra pants and they're like, I know exactly who you are. So mm-hmm. I was the guy. I was now, oh. one thing that you did say after the fight, and I'm not basically trying to you know jot down everything you said word by word, but what you basically said to the entire Ryzen Bantamweight division was, I'm here, and I'm not going to stop until I've reached the top. Was that basically a shot at Kyoji Horiguchi, even though he did lose later that night? No, because um, Kyoji Horiguchi is, of course, he's, he's, he's an excellent champion, and he... he 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 embodies what it means to be a champion, and you know, and he's a dual promotion champion. Whoever is at the top at the time, that's essentially who's uh, who's who's got the target on their back. It doesn't matter the face, it doesn't matter the the person who's there. It just, just all that matters is who's at the top. I don't mm-hmm. like I said, I'm I'm there and I'm there to be at the top. So it doesn't matter who's at the top right now. Kyoji Horiguchi, I mean, he lost a big upset. So right now, people can make the argument that that was a fluke, or he's not at the top anymore. You know, you get knocked out. Um, things like that happen in fights, and some fighters come back stronger. Some uh, some fighters come back weaker. Who knows? You know, Kyoji is still is still young, and he's still he's still a great champion. And if that rematch happens, then of course it's going to be. I think Kyoji is still going to be the uh, the favorite. But one could also make the argument that maybe. Asakura exposed him. Who knows? You know. So technically, right now, if we're gonna look at, um, if we're gonna look at who just beat, you who just upset the world, then yeah, Kai Asakura's at the top. But yeah, it does, but like it I said, it doesn't really matter. For, mm-hmm, understood. But it wouldn't make sense for somebody to say, "Oh, Kyoji's not at the top anymore," because he's still a champion of two different promotions at the same weight division, and anybody who thinks that he ain't at the top is just completely fucking stupid. I hate to say it like that, but it is. I mean, they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you can make that argument. You can make that argument, but 
you know, like I said, we're not here for arguments. We're here for for proving shit, you know, and in there, you, you prove you prove it. Right. I, I, and I'm going to ask ask that a question going off Kyoto Horiguchi. What was your reaction to just that win by Kaiser? I don't know if you were in the audience or you saw it on television or you were doing press things and you just heard it, but did you get a chance to see it at all, what happened? So let me tell you a little story. Before we, uh, while we were at the, while we were at our, uh, the fighter's hotel, I was looking at, I was talking to my, uh, my striking coach, Uchenna, and we were discussing my fight. We were discussing the other fights and, you know, see, uh, what do you think? This is before the fights even happened. And I was telling Uchenna, I was like, you know what, dude? I don't know, but I got a gut feeling that there might be an upset in the main event tomorrow. And he goes, why? I was like, there's no logical, no logical explanation. On paper, of course, you know, Horiguchi. And if you were to tell me Horiguchi ran through uh, uh, Asakura, then I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't know. There's just something about it, and it wasn't it wasn't the way. I mean, because I saw Horiguchi before, he was completely focused, and it wasn't like one person was uh, was not focused, and the other person was. It was n- literally no reason at all why I felt that there might that mi- there might have been an upset. But of course, you know it's Horiguchi, and he's one of the best. So I go out there, and all of a sudden that first right hand hits, and I'm like, ooh. ooh. And then props to Horiguchi because I don't know if you noticed, but he's still locked and he's still taking angles and yeah. throwing those shots that he knocks people out with. And he's trying to escape. Look. He's trying to create distance. He's he's trying to he's trying to not look. He's not he's not trying to be open. He's trying to try to regain his composure as well. Yeah, and he's still hitting off angles, yeah. which is the way he knocks people out, anyways. And props to to Kai for just keeping the pressure on him, eventually landing that good right hand and putting him away. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, when I saw that happen, I was just like, "Ooh, I guess I was right." You know, I mean, like I said, no, no logical explanation, nothing, nothing that, that I could pick at or nothing. It was just, it was just a gut feeling. Mystic Henry, Mystic Bangosta. Yeah, for real, right? <laughs> you know what's weird? Um, so I don't know if um, this is just something that me and my some of my other teammates notice. Oftentimes. At least in the local shows, I don't know if this goes. Actually, I would say I follow overseas a couple times, so I could say that for over, some overseas overseas show also. Oftentimes, they'll put who they think is gonna win in the same corner, and it's weird because you'll have blue corner and red corner, and uh, the first fight will happen in red corner will win. And I'm not big on energies and all that stuff, but. Oftentimes, that red corner guy will come in and he'll go back to the red corner, and he'll be happy and he'll he'll be, you know of course there's a certain there's a certain energy about it and he carries on and it carries on and it carries on and all of a sudden all red corner is winning all red corner is winning and all of a sudden at the end of the night you'll notice oh for the, like seventy percent of the red corner guys won you know and it's weird because I I'll notice it here um, when I fought in Russia. It was the same thing. They put all who they thought was going to win in one corner, and they put all the losers in the other corner. I just so happened to be in the loser's corner. I was in the blue corner when I fought Dennis Leventria. And fight after fight after fight after fight, it was red corner win, red corner, red corner, red corner, red corner. And then I fought, and then I won, and then sure enough, red corner, red corner, red corner. So I was the only blue corner guy that won. 
Mm. Now, when I go back to that Ryzen uh, card, it was weird because it was like, okay, red corner win, red corner win, blue corner, red corner, blue corner, blue corner, red corner. And it was very mixed. So, I don't know. It's just I, It might just be a superstition on my part where I see it and I notice it. But next time you guys watch a full card, try to see... Uh, Try to see if you can know who wins. Oh, that's definitely. Yeah, we're definitely Christian. We're gonna have to like, like, like take take notes. Who's in which corner now? Now, now I'm gonna be looking at this shit. Now, now you're gonna be. Now my mind is all on this. Now I want to go back to watch the show and see who's on whose corner now. Basically, basically, we're gonna try our damnedest to do some fight analytics on. Oh this. yeah. Oh so, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I encourage you. Last, last, like, that's what I'm saying. When when I fought, it was. It was weird because I actually saw it go back and forth, and then it started following a pattern, and then I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's just that's maybe that's what makes me a, a you know an okay fighter is that I'm that I notice these patterns and I'm able to capitalize on." Them. But you're you're not saying I just want to make sure I just want to set the record. You're not saying that there's some sort of conspiracy or fight rigging or anything of that sort. You're not saying uh, no, absolutely okay, not. Good. I just I just that's just something that I I, I notice where I'm just like, it's kind of like meh. And oftentimes, as far as local shows, I get it because in order to, uh, like, if I'm a coach, I have a team, usually the, the promoters will hit a, hit us up and they'll be like, hey, how many fighters do you got? Well, I have this guy, this guy, and this guy. They're ready. So they'll put three of three people on, uh, on the same team and we'll be fighting three different camps. So, of course, they'll put all three of us in the same corner. Yeah. No, that makes you sense. Know? Yeah. So there, there, that, there's, of course, there's some of that. Um, so, you know, and oftentimes it's like, oh, yeah, like three different teams, but we're all there. And then one person wins. It's like a rally, you know, like just like bringing, bringing, bringing the war drums. Boom, 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 and all of a sudden it's like you, you get that bigger and that fervor, you know, and you start, you start really going for it. Mm. So I also wanted to ask, how did you celebrate your win uh, after? Yeah, we went to go eat. I went to a young, we went to a Yakiniku spot. You know, man, I'm a very basic guy. I don't like to go out and party and everything. I'm, all I really want to do is because, I mean, you got to imagine, you know, it's a stressful day. You know, like you get up in the morning and you shake it out. You know, you, sh you shake out the nerves. You do a little mid-session or you run a little just to shake it out. And then you get a little bit of breakfast. And then, you know, you, um, then you're kind of waiting around all day until check-ins are. You know, until you until it's time to check in, you go to the lobby, and then you check in, and then you do your medicals, and then you do the, the glove check, and then you do this, and then you lay around for a couple hours, and then all of a sudden it's all right, it's time to start warming up, and then warm up time to until you're in that in that hallway about to walk out feels like a minute, boom, and then that entire time is like you know you need to rest, you know you need to save your energy. Me, I like to go to sleep. You know, sometimes I can take a nap, sometimes I can't. So, and all of a sudden, there's that moment and before the moment. And basically set away all that energy, channel all that energy into how you're going to make your entrance and how you're going to come into the fight, right? Yeah, it's like, like I said, it's that moment before the moment where you're walking and you have to, you're walking to the to the ring and you're getting, you're getting greased up and then Josh slaps you in the face and all of a sudden it's, boom, now you're fighting. Mm. And then, but like I said, it's just up until that point, it's an all-day thing where you're thinking about the fight, thinking about the fight, and you're just you're just so mentally focused on it that it's like, uh, you know, it's almost like you're a, it's almost like you're depressed, but you're excited. You know, it's just weird. So after all that, 
you fight, you get the win, you do the interviews, and you're, it's, you're still not done because after the fight, you got to go get medical medically checked, and then you do your interviews, and, of course, you got to take a shower because you just sweat a bunch, and you have some other dude sweat on you on top of a mat where other people were sweating, so you got to take a shower. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, you finally get to the hotel. Now what? For me, I like to go eat and hang out because I know a bunch of people are going to be blowing up my phone. Hey, good job. Or, you know, you suck. You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of things going on, you know. So me, I like to get to uh, I like to get to my friends because I'm just because I know they're the ones that are watching me and everything. So I talk to them and, you know, of course, getting food is very important to me. So after this fight, we uh, we went to uh, Yakiniku. And man, that thing was good. We had these oh, these cuts of meat and everything. Oh, that shit was good. Is that the is that when they when they have a little uh, the little stove and the table and they uh they give you the slices of meat raw and you put it into the uh, stove or the thing and you grill it yourself? Yeah, that's that's what yeah that's what yakiniku is. Uh, so do you pig out at all or do you kind? Oh, I pig out. Oh, I I haven't stopped pigging out since I uh since I fought. <laughs> Like, I'm talking like, dude, like, I mean, how many pounds would you say you're right now because of picking out? You want to be, be honest? a bitch trying to get down to 135. I'm at 150 pounds. Oh, wow. I, 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 pegged, so you to, I, I pegged you to be I at like 160. I pegged you to pick, I pegged you at being like 160 for walk around weight. Oh, no, absolutely not. I don't get very big, man. I'm, a lot of it is genetics, and a lot of it is because after. So after uh, we flew back, it was Monday here in the United States. It was, you know, we had a long flight. It was it was tiring. It was cramped and everything. So when we got back, you know, I took Monday off, even though I landed on Monday. Mm. But Tuesday, I went back to practice. You know, I still have teammates that need my help in preparation for their fights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm not going as hard with the people that do need fights, I'm, I'm giving them the work that they need. And then Wednesday, same thing. Yeah, I went back to practice, and I had to work that night, so I went back to work. Mm. Thursday, same thing. Teammate, teammates need help, and went to work. Last night, I went to work. Friday night, I went to work. It's you know, it's it's weird because I was telling some other, I was telling uh some other of the fighters, I was like, you know what? Like, there's one week where people care about you after a fight. You go to practice, and people say, hey, good job, that was good, blah blah blah. And then you go to maybe if you go to another room, whatever. So you see your different groups of friends, and everybody says, good job, blah, blah, blah. You know, awesome way, awesome win, blah, blah, blah. But after that week, nobody cares. It's in the past, which is the way you're supposed to see it. You're not supposed to live on past glory. You get back to work, you know, which is what I did. After after I went back to work, everybody was like, oh, hey, good job, good fight, champ, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. All right. Let's get back to work because we got we got we still got things to do. There's only one week where people care. Uh, I guess I guess you almost don't want to become like an Al Bundy where he's still talking about his four uh, his yeah, four uh, we'll touchdowns at Pokai. Uh, yeah, I mean, the glory in fighting is not only in winning a fight; it's being able to uh, it's being able to elevate your training partners. You know, obviously, like I'm Josh Barnett has his own name, but now Josh Barnett is creating his own name in coaching by coaching me and then other fighters. And now it's my responsibility to help bring up the other fighters and get them to a bigger stage also. 
Mm -hmm. uh, any of the uh, uh, UWF people uh, uh, have any fights coming up that you can uh, plug? Yeah, so AJ Bryant is is fighting for the uh, he's defending his title against Alfred Kashakian. Uh, Alfred Kashakian is actually a, a very uh, he's a very good athletic puncher. He's got knockout power. His uh, I think he's coming off a two fight win streak. At 140, because he couldn't make 135 anymore, so he's coming up in weight class. Um, mm -hmm. Alfred Kashaki. This is for is, California uh, Extreme Fighting, right? This is for Lights Out FC. California Extreme and Lights Out Promotions have merged, so now they now they're uh, Lights Out FC, and they're they're actually one of the oh. premier uh, organizations here in Southern California. They're putting on really good shows, and they're uh, they're airing their fights on Fox Sports. So if you can't make it to uh, to the fight, then then you can you can catch it. On Fox Sports One, I think. Um, but yeah, AJ Bryan's got a fight. Well, up. it's probably gonna be on Fox Sports West and Prime Ticket. Yeah, it's probably those out here. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I'm I'm pretty sure they're doing a lot. Of, they're doing live streams on Facebook also. So, if you can't make it to the uh, what, what casino? The Commerce Casino. So that's where they're gonna have it out there. Um, we got a. Uh, Chase Gibson fighting for Combate pretty soon. We got we got Ozzy Diaz fighting in the Bellator card here in the forum. We got Jay Bad Motherfucker, that's what his nickname is. We got him fighting over there also. Uh, who else do we got? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember because my memory is terrible. <laughs> well, what about uh, you? We can't get oh, any info, you know, from upcoming fights. The best thing we should do is check out UWF USA on social media, on Facebook, and especially their website, right? Uh, well, UWF USA does not have an Instagram yet. That's still uh, that's still a uh, that's still an area of which Josh needs to needs to cover. But Josh is so busy that you know whatever. So the best thing you could do is follow either myself, Josh, or Chad George on on, on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Um, AJ Bryant, you can follow him. So we're always posting about our upcoming fights or what's coming up. Well, what about uh, you? In your case, with, with Ryzen or D4, do you have anything that you can say without getting in trouble or that you can I don't know, drop hints of that maybe uh, you got anything lined up for, with Ryzen or defending your deep uh, bandweight championship in the future? Um, I can say that they're putting it together a card, pretty big cards in October and December, and they want me to... Uh, they want me to participate. This is Ryzen you're talking about. Yeah, Ryzen, yeah. They want me to participate. Um, I'm all for it. And uh, there might be uh, there might be some pretty big fights coming up as far as uh, as far as uh, myself and uh, coaching staff. Okay. Uh, also, there's rumors. Okay. And as far as Ryzen goes, and I, again, Andrew, I hate to interrupt, but your opponent, Trent Gurdum, said that he has a... I don't know, a two-fight deal or something. We can't really confirm or deny that. But he's saying that there might be a Bantamweight Grand Prix in 2020 for Ryzen, and he would love the opportunity to face off with you again. I actually asked if he would be okay, you know, potentially training with you at UWF USA if the opportunity was given during my uh -huh. interview with him. But still, if the opportunity comes, would you be okay with fighting Gurdum again? Absolutely. I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, it's like I said, I, I would be. 
I'd be lying to myself if uh, if I didn't if I didn't take that fight because, like I said, I've always said it doesn't matter who, just put him in front of me and I'll fight him. You know, um, would it make sense on my half? Not really, because what would uh what would the uh what would I get out of it? You know what I'm saying? Like a rematch with somebody that I beat? Probably not. I can understand a I can understand a rematch. With Motoya, maybe, because uh, that. But that then again, that would be fan service. If we're looking at um, if we're looking at what's going to further my career professionally rather than fan service, because fan service does have its place. But then, you know, me moving up the ladder is also uh, is is also very important. You know, so if I fight Motoya, then that'd be that'd be fan service because. If we're going to look at the facts, Motoya, Motoya just lost a split, and then he lost a split to me, which, you know, one could argue, okay, Motoya is going to get a rematch with somebody, but why would I fight somebody who's just who's coming off two losses in a row, and I'm coming off seven wins in a row? You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make professional sense, but it would make fan service sense. You know, it would be like, oh, that's going to be a good fight anyways, you know. Um, well, with Trent, yeah, with Trent, it's going to be, you know, like I said, I fight him anyways. And if he wants to come train with us, he's more than welcome to. It's not, I have nothing against him. You know, it just so happens that he was my opponent. Well, the two, when we did the Ryzen 18 review show, two of the fighters who I proposed that would be maybe good to, uh, good fights for you at an upcoming Ryzen show would either be Justin Scoggins, who also won that night, or, uh-huh. or Manel Cape, who's also been on, who's had, who's, lost only two fights in Ryzen, one that was a very close split decision to uh, Kai Sakura, but who's looked dominant in almost all of his fights. Would you be interested in yeah, fighting either... the exception of the Horiguchi fight, of course. Uh, well, even yeah. that one, he still looked good against Horiguchi. Um, that, that was the one... The, and, and the Okazaki fight, which he did lose as well. But uh, besides those two, uh, besides that, would you be interested in facing Scoggins or Manel Cape? Absolutely. I mean... Uh... It was weird, uh, you know, Manel Cape gets a, I feel, gets a bad rep as far as being an asshole and being, uh, being, uh, contentious, I, guess, I suppose, but he was nice to me, like, uh, I didn't, I think it's just because people try to be overly friendly with him and he's not that type of person where you could just be overly friendly with, you know, and I just kind of sensed that and I was just like, oh, also, oh, he's there, I acknowledge his existence, he acknowledges mine and we're good. It's also That's a gimmick, it. I think it's also, you know, he realizes that he's got a, Stray from the pack, you know, Japan's, you know, martial arts is all about respect and all that stuff. By his antics, he's already saying, I'm different than anybody else. This is why you should focus on me. If you're just like everybody else, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when, when your coach said, you know, coming out with the zebra pants, people remember, yeah. oh, Victor Henry, he's the guy who wears the zebra pants after he put he puts on his zebra pants and his, um, I don't know, was that a shark tooth necklace that you wore or something? That, uh, that yeah, yeah, that was from my, that was from my, um, that was from my striking coach. It's uh, it's uh, it's from his culture in uh, in Nigeria. Yeah. So yeah, people will remember that stuff. You know, if you just you know you do go out there, you know, you wait to the crowd, you leave. People might remember you, they might not. But you know, people, you know, you gotta make sure people remember you after you win as well, or else it's kind of like yeah. you went in there and won, and now nobody's you know talking about yeah, you after. Yeah, nobody knows who you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Either that or it would be like a Todd Moore situation where he got tapped out by Shinya Aoki and he waved to the fans and dreamed, Hello, Japan! Like a dumbass. <laughs> I, got, I got a funny story about that. Oh, I, I, was still fighting, I, was still fighting, I was still fighting amateur when, 
when some guy just comes up to me and says, hey, blah, 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 can I, you train over it with Eddie Bravo and everything? I said, yeah, why? He goes, I have a fight against Shinya Aoki. And I was like, okay. And this is before I even knew very much about international fights or international uh, competitions. And he goes, yeah, I'm fighting Shinya Aoki. And I was wondering if Eddie Bravo could train me against, you know, to fight Shinya Aoki because he uses a lot of, you know, of his system. And I was like, well, I don't know. Go ahead and ask him. You know, even then, Eddie Bravo was not my head coach, but I had trained with him. So then I saw Eddie Bravo and I was like, hey, there's this guy. I forget his name, but he said he wanted to train with you in order to uh, fight Shinya Aoki. And Eddie Bravo goes, no, Shinya Aoki's using my shit. I'm not going to try to coach him against somebody using my shit. So I was like, makes sense. And then from there, I forgot. Then I saw that fight and then I was like, hey, that's the fucker who was asking me to train with Eddie Bravo. And then, yeah, he's in high Japan, then he ends up getting choked out. And I was like, well, nobody's going to remember him. Or they'll remember him for the wrong reasons. No, no, people. So, yeah, actually. People remember that. People will certainly remember he made a a memorable uh, exit, I guess you could say. Yeah, a memorable exit. So, yeah, I thought it was weird. It's like, yeah, I was talking to that guy before before he uh, got choked by Shinya Aoki. Actually, uh, speaking of grappling, I know you did a quintet um, um, one-off. Uh, I think it was, was it this year or, or late last year? It was late last year. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any chance we, we could maybe see you doing something like that again, a quintet, combat, underground, submission, or something along those lines? Is that something that, that interests you, or is that you just want to stick to MMA at this point? No, absolutely. I'm interested. I mean, anything that's going to put me in a competition uh, setting that I'm, I'm down for Hopefully this time I can do it without a swollen ankle. Oh. Last time I did it, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I had tape on both my ankles. Mm-hmm. One of my ankles got popped really bad in a, uh, in, a, uh, in a local grappling tournament. And then this opportunity came up and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And my ankle was super fat. So I did it and he actually Ooh. happened to catch that ankle and I was mm-hmm. like, bitch, you got me. Well, no, because I, I watched it and he got like... I I kind of figured that you would be able to defend it, but you tapped very fast with it, so I was like, I, I was like actually kind of surprised. But I, that all makes sense now, because you know, obviously, if your ankle's injured, you get put in a heel hook, ankle hook, something along those lines. You're gonna tap fast. You're not gonna fight that shit. You don't. You're not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna fight that. I mean, yeah. you're not I gonna mean, be stupid. In, in my my main my main priority is fighting, and grappling competitions are gonna make me better at fighting. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna risk injury to myself. In order to, in order to win this grappling match, that I'm, well, that most likely, I'm, most likely I'm doing for free, and it's gonna mess up my fighting career, which I get paid for. Exactly. So I guess that would probably disqualify you from ever having a professional wrestling career based off your catch wrestling background. No, I mean there's there's a possibility of that. You know, I'm, I I I'd go for it too. Uh, actually, funny question. I I would like to ask. So uh, we got uh, Josh Barnett's doing his Bloodsport 2 show coming up uh, in Atlantic City, September 14th. Curious to know uh-huh. if Bloodsport 3 ever comes along and Josh Barnett says, Hey, Victor, I want you to, I want to put you in a, in a, in a, in a, that type of match. Would you, what would you say to that? Would you, would you say, hell yeah? Or would you, well, would you, would you be able to do something like that? The first thing I would say is, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> now, um, I, I, I would absolutely do it, but of course I would have to, um, I would have to pass the um, 
not the uh, you know the test that he would have for me. You know, mm-hmm. in, in, as far as you know, professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go in there thinking that I know the, everything that he wants me to do just because I fight and everything. And I know it's a big pet peeve of professional wrestlers of fighters who come in and think they could do it just because they have fighting experience. But then again, I know that fighters also look at some professional wrestling and they'd be like, that looks ridiculous. Josh has a very different, he has a very old old school, strong style uh, version of wrestling. And a lot of it doesn't make sense to him. So if he wanted me to do something like that, I would be like, okay, well, let's, let's, take the necessary steps in order for you to approve me of doing it. Cause just because I can, I can fight and I know these things doesn't exactly mean I can, I can do something else. So let's, let's make sure that I can do this also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Um, it is, you know, it is a different, you know, his, his blood sport shows though are a little bit different than your traditional pro wrestling matches where people are flying all over the place doing dies, all that shit. So I think, I don't know if it maybe would be easier to adapt to, uh, or because then you could kind of just do your your MMA stuff, but obviously in a work fashion where it's not actually hurting the other opponent, but still looking like it actually does. Yeah, well, um, the something I can say is that uh, when because we get we get some professional wrestlers that come over and train with us sometimes, and the first thing Josh makes him do is spar because if. You know, wrestling, you know, the, the way Josh prefers his wrestling is that it has to look like an actual fight. It can't just look like a bunch of people bouncing off ropes and jumping off things and you have a 150-pound girl suplexing a 300-pound man. That doesn't make any sense, you know. Um, so the first thing he makes him do is, all right, let's go. We're going to spar. And then after the sparring sessions... Then they'll do a then they'll do more of a pro wrestling thing. But now you have sparring in your mind. You have fighting in your mind. Things have to look real. They have to um, they have to look real, and they still have to um, be able to work with each other. Mm. So you know you have to be able to fight in order to in order to wrestle essentially. And for Josh's blood sporter. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen? Uh, yeah. Did you see the the blood sports show he did uh, earlier this year by any chance? I saw I saw bits of it. I didn't see it all because I was at work. Oh, well, I was gonna say if you happen to see his uh, his match against uh, one of the MMA originals, Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, um, I didn't, I didn't, I just saw bits of it, but you can see how there's a lot of strong style going on uh, in that in that match where it's like no no they they're it looked like they're actually fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I, I know I, I did ask a little bit about it before, but I didn't get an answer. Is anything with deep uh, defending your deep bantamweight championship um, at all discussed at this point, or is have you not just heard from the deep offices regarding that? I haven't. I haven't heard anything from them. Um, but the way I see it is, I defend my deep championship every time I fight now because I am the champion. Hmm. Okay. Even uh, though they're not, even though they might not get the belt, but it's still a. I still have to defend what I've earned. I got you. Uh, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, also, I want to ask this as well because this is this recently just came up uh, yesterday. I don't know if anybody saw the Bellator two twenty five show yesterday, but Aviv Gozali um, got an eleven second submission win on uh, on his opponent. I don't know if you happen to see that uh, that submission win. I did, and I see a lot. I see a lot of people saying, "Oh yeah, way to go for the fake glove touch and everything." Yes, I didn't necessarily see the fake glove touch or the attempt for it. 
So I want to um, ask your thought. So um, I know you touched gloves with Trent Gurdam, you know, after the low blows and all that stuff. But I just want, what are your thoughts on, on touching, touching gloves? You touch gloves, obviously, before the, before the bell rings. But what about this whole thing with touching gloves after it? Is that something that's like, I, what, is, what, are your th- what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that should just be done away with? Or is it, you know, you just feel it out and if they it looks like they're going to go for a glove touch, you go for it. What, what are your thoughts on this, on that whole thing? Um, so, so when two fighters come to the middle because, uh, because you know, the referee calls them over and they touch gloves, that's cool, whatever. Usually, when you're standing across the cage, you make eye contact with the guy, you hold up your glove, and they'll give you an acknowledgement or they'll say no. That's usually what happens. Um, oftentimes, if it doesn't happen, some guys will walk out with their hands down, they'll lift their gloves in the air, and then and they'll touch gloves, and then they'll do a slight circle, and then they'll start fighting. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, me personally, I mean, it's it's a big personal thing. If you're that type of person where it's like I'm gonna take advantage when he's when his head are down, you know, it's it that's that's on you, you know. But then again, it's also on me to be ready for that person being a dick. Mm-hmm. I can come out, for instance, and touch gloves with Trent, you know, and be like, hey, boom, we'll do a slide circle, boom, that's sportsmanship. But it's not outside the rules of Trent being like, okay. He's going to come out with his hands down. I'm a fake glove touch, and I'm going to sock him right in the face. That's not outside of the rule set. You know, the bell rang already. Does it make him a dick? Kind of. Does it make me underwear? Yeah. But, like, yeah, you got to keep your hands up. You got to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's, it's all case by case. You know, I don't, I'm not necessarily against, I mean, I am against somebody going like, oh, yeah, hey, good shit, and then boom, and then just go for it. It's like, ah, you're, you're. You know what you were doing. You were you were holding your glove up with the intent of bringing his his um, his awareness down, so you can get him when he's not ready. Mm. That's basically a sucker punch. Yeah, yeah. Because so, well, the most famous example, like touch real fast, and you go. Then yeah, whatever. The most famous example I can think of. Again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the most famous example I can think of is uh, Colton Smith when he fought in the UFC. He did. He was gonna. Uh, he reached out his hand to go for a glove touch. And his opponent did as well, but then he brought his hand down and then went for a takedown and got a takedown. I don't know if you remember that fight, uh, Victor no, or C- Christian. Do you remember that when Colton Smith did that? Christian? Uh, when Colton Smith did what? Uh, where he uh, faked a, a glove touch uh, and then yeah. went, when he went for a takedown instead. Hear me? Oh, Christian, you're breaking up. Oh, okay. he's he's in the he's in the intern he's in the uh, disconnected trying to connect realm now. Uh, All right. Uh, but uh, oh, yeah. in in short, if you uh for me me personally, if you go in there and you go for a glove touch with the intent of uh of uh, deceiving your opponent in order to lower his um in order to lower his um his awareness, then yeah, you're kind of you're being a dick. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well yeah. what are, does you know if Josh Barnett has any thoughts on that? Um, regarding, uh, I guess, fight etiquette uh, right before the match starts or, you know, the, the, the I don't know if he's taught you or any of his other students anything? Yeah, well, I mean, that goes back to being honest, right? If you're going to, if you're going to go in there and you're, uh, and you're, and you have a, the intention of deceit and a, and not being upfront, then of course Josh is going to have a problem with that. But if you straight say no, no glove touch, and let's just get at it, then he respects that because at least you're not being not being uh, dishonest. I gotcha. You're I not gotcha. trying to deceive anybody. 
Uh, one of my last questions is, I got to ask, Billy Robinson Snake Pit uh, Challenge. What is that whole thing? Because I, 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 I went a deep dive on you on YouTube. I just found all these cool, like, uh, grappling, catch wrestling things. Can you just talk about what that is? Yeah, so those are uh, those are tournaments held in uh, in England. You know the snake pit. You know where uh, where the snake pit started with Billy Robinson over in Wigan. But um, yeah, those are just uh, catch wrestling turn uh, catch wrestling uh, catch wrestling submission with old school rules. You know with pins with certain certain submissions being uh, being out. I mean not outlawed but banned rather because they're going for a certain amount of things. You know, so it's just a different rule set for grappling. Um, I think the grappling, um, the landscape of grappling competitions, is it's so it's so ever changing that it, a lot of times it doesn't make sense anymore. Like um, for instance, the combat jujitsu, those rules are changing so often that it's like uh, I'm I'm for the 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 rule changes because then it stops you from gaming the system, but at the same time you're making ridiculous rules like. For instance, if I get a takedown on somebody, I can't stand over them and smack the shit out of them for a while because now it counts against me in overtime. And then you have other rules like, okay, since it's sub only, I can be on my back for the entirety of the of the uh, of the uh, of the match. And then all of a sudden, since there was no submission, now I get somebody's back because I uh, because I didn't get submitted. So you're earning positions because you did nothing. It's just some of them don't make any sense. You know, like, if you spend your your whole time on your back or defending, 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 you lost. It just so happens that the other guy didn't sink one in, you know. But to earn a certain position because you did nothing, that, that, that doesn't happen in real life. That's not what martial arts is for. That's a very, um, now you're making something very, very, very hyper-specific, mm -hmm. which, if you want to play that game, go for it. I think I'm, you know, uh, but can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine doing that on the street, like just laying there like this, as somebody beats the shit out of you, and be like, "Oh, as soon as he's done beating the shit out of me, I get it. I'm gonna get to be on his back." Nah, it's not the way it works. I think uh, doesn't uh, ADCC also have like weird rules, like the first five minutes, you know, there's no there's no points or whatever. It's submission only. Then after that, it becomes submission only. So you just have like a lot of times you'll just have guys circling around each other just like doing nothing. Something like that, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that. Yeah, first five minutes uh, submission only because you want people going for shit. But then if they're going for shit and then they're not doing anything, yeah, make it points at the end. That way there's a winner. You know, I hate, you know, when there's no, there's no clear defined winner because one person just decides to be a cheese ball mm -hmm. and do nothing. Uh, speaking of ADCC, are you, are you going to be, uh, since it is in California, are you going to be uh, paying attention to the, what's going on there? Or, um, I, I, are you going to be uh, following that at all? Say it again? Uh, AD, uh, since ADCC is in California, uh, I believe in September, are you going to be paying attention to uh, Abu Dhabi Combat Club or anything that goes on in that grappling tournament? Uh, I'm pretty sure I will. I mean, just because the uh, Southern California has a lot of really good grapplers and Anything that I can do to improve myself, so I'll probably be watching to see who's doing what. And once I see that, then I'll be like, okay, yeah, sweet. I'm gonna go train over there so I can work on this aspect of my game since I know they're good at it and I'm not good at it. Mm. You know, Got so it. there is that aspect. 
So uh, that's all the questions I have. Christian, I want to pass it on to you. Do you have any more questions for uh, Mr. Henry? Christian? Oh, he's got to fix his hat. Oh, fix your <laughs> Christian? No, I don't have anything oh. else to ask, Mr. Henry. I just... Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. My connection is, as they say, the drizzling shits. So y'all probably couldn't hear me. But I don't really have any more questions to ask, Mr. Henry, other than the fact that, you know, how can people get in contact with you? You can contact me through uh, Instagram, Victor Henry MMA. Same thing for Twitter. Uh, I give you my phone number, but I don't want people sending me dick pics. <laughs> Um, but uh, also you um, you're also on Twitter as well. Uh, you want to uh, plug your Twitter handle as well? Yeah, Victor Henry MMA on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, Victor Henry. Oh, uh, any sponsors or you want to give a shout out to anybody on your team as well that you? Uh... Well, um, shout out to all the UWF USA guys. Uh, shout out to all the guys over at CMMA. As far as sponsors, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to get a sponsor. Can you do that? That's why I'm going to work every damn day. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I, I think the big thing that MMA fighters are getting sponsors from is uh, that CBD um, biz, businesses. That seems to be, I see that in everybody's pants now. It's just CBD, CBD, CBD. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I'm just seeing like all over people's asses. Johnny Case uh, on his shorts had like some CBD thing on, on when he fought you know, Horizon. You're talking about wanting sponsors. Victor. Yep. Christian, sorry. Yeah, do you remember when it used to be Condom Depot on everybody's ass? Now it's CBD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the most... Oh. Sorry, oh. Christian, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I think... No, he's... he's, he's uh, the, the internet gremlins, unfortunately, are... are nah, he's lost in the cable, man. He's lost in the cable. But uh, yeah, you know, hopefully, yeah, you know, hopefully we get you, we'll get some sponsors for your next fight, um, and uh, something. For, but, you know, you know oh. Andrew, I was basically trying to ask. Sorry. You know, if he's having trouble finding sponsors, I mean, would it be okay either the We All Rising podcast or Focus Fights can sponsor you? <laughs> I mean, you know, probably have to come out of our pocket as well because. I mean, we're, I mean, obviously, we are just, what, dirt cheap, I guess? <laughs> oh, my God, don't put yeah, him in. Man, any, 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 anything will help, but uh, and the only thing I got to say is that you got to reach out to Josh and talk about that, because he's the one that's managing me for that. Mm. Um, you had to put him on the spot, Christian. You had to put him on that <laughs> spot. I can't believe it. But a uh, good question, nonetheless. Hey, I'm sorry, but it hey. would be. I mean, but in a way, we would be helping fighters out, you know, after yeah. we interviewed them. You yeah, know, we would um, be helping called, them get over. You got to respect the hustle. Of course, of course, yeah. Yep, um, exactly. But uh, yeah, uh, Victor Henry defeated Trent Gurdum at Ryzen 18. You can see the replay on fight.tv. Uh, and uh, once again, Victor. We had an awesome conversation again. This is become, you're becoming one of my favorite people to interview because we just go off on so many, so much shit and you say so much, so much great stuff. 
And uh, yeah. we're definitely, yeah, we definitely would love to talk to you again when your next uh, Ryzen, Deep, or whatever you got coming up, uh, whatever your next gig is. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on today, guys. No problem, no problem. Uh, you take care now. No problem, man. Anytime. Take care. All right, then, man. Have a good one, guys. See you guys later. Sure. Take care.